0: Welcome to FT Advisors' podcast series, in association with Janice Henderson, looking at the development and use of multi-asset funds for clients. I'm Simony Kuriaku, Deputy Editor of Financial Advisor. The asset management industry has been developing multi-asset funds for many years now, helping to provide advisors and their clients with more ways of diversifying their risk and potentially enhancing their returns. But how can advisors and wealth managers actually use multi-asset funds to help generate income, in both accumulation and decumulation, beyond simple diversification across geographies and asset classes? But then again, how can advisors make sure the fund isn't so focused on income that it adds risk into the portfolio and potentially undermines the performance of the multi-asset fund? And importantly, what sort of investment considerations should advisors and fund managers be implementing when it comes to constructing a balanced income-generating portfolio? Dean Cheeseman, Portfolio Manager in Janice Henderson's UK-based multi-asset team, and Darius McDermott, Managing Director of Chelsea Financial Services, are here to talk to us about some of these issues. Dean, Darius, welcome. Thank you. Dean, if I may start with you, please. What sort of strategies are being used now in multi-asset funds to drive income?
1: So to generate income, typically multi-asset funds are using a blend of equities, fixed interest, alternatives different income streams across different return drivers getting diversification that way but we're trying um, to identify low correlating asset classes when blended together um, in order to get a a sort of a robust risk adjusted overall portfolio.
0: Mm. Darius what's your view?
2: Well I think Dean's mentioned a couple of the golden words the first one being lowly correlated if you can get different assets from different geographies and have different income contributors that's That's what you're looking for. And, you know, I think the real thing for for people like Dean and myself is to try and find lowly correlated uh, assets and, you know, different types of specialist property and uh, other sorts of um, assets like like that certainly could be considered.
0: So when you're looking at constructing a portfolio, is it important to only focus on asset classes that generate income? Or should you also be looking at capital gains as well? Is there a risk that perhaps people could pay too much attention to income generation and forget about the capital gains part of the portfolio?
2: So in the financial advisor world, there are many hundreds of multi-asset funds and... A vast array of multi-asset income offerings some will be a higher income target and clearly then they're out and out looking for highest yielding Um, others will be lower yielding with some capital growth and others will be of a dividend growth strategy so there's there's plenty to choose from so there's no actual right or wrong Um, in a balanced multi-asset income type fund you're certainly going to have some assets with a premium yield and maybe some assets with a slightly lower yield but with some of some dividend growth. So, there's, I don't think there's an absolute individual answer to that question, but there's lots of choice for financial advisors.
0: Mm. Dean, what do you think?
1: Well, I think to look at it in the current context that we're in a low return world. Dividend yield will account for a large proportion of that total return income will account for a large proportion of that return. So whether it's income focused or growth focused, you're going to capture the majority of the total return by having an income focus. It is a sort of a symptomatic um, response to post-QE world, quantitative easing world, where yields have been um, very much suppressed out of the usual income um, asset class of fixed interest. So we think you can capture the total return if you look at long-term academic papers, Dividend yield plus dividend growth will typically, over the longer course, um, give you the total return on the index. There will be periods, as we've seen over the last 12 months, where the markets are on a growth focus. The markets are um, driven by that positive growth momentum. You will miss income from what they're calling the Fang stocks: the Facebook, the mm-hmm. Alphabet, the Netflix, the Googles, the Alibaba. Ten cent. All of these great stocks that have done so fantastically well driven indices, but investments are here for the longer term. What we're trying to construct are good risk adjusted returns, getting that blend across the different styles and yes I think you can capture it with an income focus.
0: Mm. And does that income focus Dean have to change with the investors journey for example do they have to have different income strategies when they're in the accumulation stage rather than when they're in the decumulation stage and they're starting to take income from the portfolio? Does the portfolio have to blend and change?
1: I don't think the portfolio has to change or blend. Um, There will be periods of time when income is less in favour. However, as I think it was Albert Einstein said, the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest. Hmm. And if you are capturing this yield as a function of the payout, whether it's from equities, fixed interest, or alternatives, and that is accumulating into the portfolio, then that will contribute overall to the total um, return. Now, it doesn't matter whether you are nearing pension retirement age and you're wanting to draw that income down, and it's a steady source of income to complement maybe a pension vehicle or an annuity, or it could be a younger investor looking to build up a, um, a saving spot. But the compound returns and the reinvestment of that income will still be a very positive driver.
0: Darius, do you have different sort of investors who want different portfolios at different times in their lives or is it just as Dean says, it's one portfolio sort of can suit all? Yeah.
2: I mean our clients have historically used equity income funds as a growth vehicle. Um, over the long term it's about two thirds of total return in equities comes from dividend reinvested and dividend growth. and it, it, income reinvested is a very good growth strategy um people just on a life cycle tend to want to accumulate their assets whether it's income reinvested or growth assets when they're in their younger years and as they either are at or approach retirement want to take some form of yield from their pot to to supplement their lifestyles um but income doesn't need to just be thought of in retirement and certainly uh a good core growth strategy when reinvested and compounded. Mm.
0: Do you think investors have perhaps underestimated the power of compound interest and the power of rolling up dividends during the accumulation stage?
2: Historically, clients from from our firm have always had equity income as probably their first go-to ISA. Um, And historically, about 65 to 70% of those income strategies are reinvested. So I think this is something that that, that IFAs and uh, investing public actually are quite familiar with, that, that income reinvested is a good growth strategy. It's not the only growth strategy. And it is a lifestyle thing which IFAs will be discussing with their clients as to you know when they need to actually withdraw income. But income can be used
1: as a growth strategy as well.
0: Dean, what's your view on this?
1: I'd agree entirely um, that you can – you get that total return. Now, the – The twist comes in in making sure that you get a a blended portfolio. Um, So when we're looking at income generation, we'll look for multiple sources, multiple drivers, and then within, say, a single asset class, you can get different approaches to generating an equity yield. So you can go for a far more cyclically sensitive um, construct where the focus is on banks or industrials, materials, or At the other end of the risk spectrum, you've got a more quality focus where there's a greater um, focus on the the compounders, the the consumer staples, the utilities, the healthcare. Both deliver a total return with income, um, but they will complement each other as investment styles. Mm -hmm. So you can manage the risk in that way and getting the different return drivers to generate that overall return.
0: Building on that, in the hunt for yield, people have been going into slightly more risky areas. Are there dangers with pursuing a very high-income a very aggressive income-generating strategy?
1: I think there's certainly – as you look across different asset classes, the the response will be um, slightly muted and um, differentiated by asset class. So there is a search for yield. And what we're seeing in fixed interest in particular is that yields are incredibly suppressed because of quantitative easing. Mm. It's the usual fishing ground for generating income. It's corporate debt. It's high yield debt. It's emerging market debt. Default, rec- default levels are at record lows. And at this point, um, there's probably only one way those defaults can go. Mm. Now, we're not anticipating that changing materially in the short term. But investors need to be aware of chasing ever higher yield and understanding the risks that are going on in the portfolio. It's probably the time to think more about active over passive. So you're not just moving in that beta one fashion and making sure that your active manager is taking account of the risks as necessary.
0: Mm. Darius, how should investors and advisors be keeping an eye on those risks and making sure they're not getting a little bit out of hand?
2: With longevity, people are living longer and they require income for longer. And if you have a pot of money, whether it's in sort of ISA or sip or other pension vehicles or or annuities for that matter it it doesn't really matter you have to look at the pot of money what is a reasonable yield to take given a normal actuarial life cycle and, and obviously the state of your health so people taking too much yield too early could lead to the pot um not lasting long enough not giving any thought to actually even at 60 if i retire um decent chance you're going to live for at least 25 years if not longer um, today so you actually need to have some growth in the pot so you just don't take just an income out strategy um, and if you go for the highest yielders you know, certainly on the equity side today it's much more likely to be some of the cyclical stocks mm. which might you know, in the next few years be in favour or out of favour that's I think a different question so I think Dean's absolutely correct you need a blend of styles geographies and asset classes um, and it's that that yield doesn't just come from one thing. So we've long since been big supporters of global income funds, mm-hmm. because again, from what I said earlier, lots of our clients had lots of UK equity income. And A, you're getting some currency diversification, but you're getting diversification of where that income comes from. And on UK PLC, there's the top 10 stocks pay. of the overall yield and if oil is out of favour you lose a big chunk of the UK PLC's dividend. So having that diversification is key and if you're taking income at 60, probably not taking too high an income at the beginning would seem to be an an obvious risk.
0: Hmm. And we're seeing the Far East starting to give us more dividends. China's been opening up a lot. A lot of their companies have started to pay dividends for the first time. So do you think there's a lot more choice for equity income investors? Dean, what's your view?
1: I think there's an increased choice and I think that trend continues. It's a function, I believe, of far greater awareness from the active management community to be proper stewards of capital, Hmm. to vote, to engage with boards, to request from boards that the the underlying shareholders see a a return on an annual basis. Now, this has been very um, much a a symptom of the UK market for many, many years. But as you said, it's now moving to other corners of the world. Um, And I only see it continuing as the wall of the institutional money moves across and the greater focus on stewardship and good governance um, continues and persists in that direction.
0: So you think income is going to be a very strong driver for the retail market for years to come?
1: I believe it is. Um, it's going to be demanded um, and the risks that you were highlighting earlier need to be considered and I think there should be a focus on a natural income rather than trying to force Mm. an above average um, yield that is achievable from the underlying asset classes Um, but yes it will be a driver um, both from demand and from the underlying companies um, starting to return cash to shareholders.
0: And you find the same Darius?
2: Yeah I mean to repeat everything that dean said, but pre financial crisis, you could get five five and a half six percent on cash, and you know if you choose to ignore inflation as a risk, mm. you know, when the risk free asset like cash in the bank is paying you five or six you don 't need to take more risk, um, but as we 've seen interest rates go to all but zero in the last mm. decade, people have had to move up the risk curve um, with quantitative ease and buying government bonds that 's made them an unattractive. Risk return for the majority of investors, I think today, Mm -hmm. and they have moved then into equities. And in two thousand and nine, very few people transferred cash ISAs to equity or to the equity investment ISA. And every year that that's gone on, more and more people have been transferring Mm -hmm. out of cash ISAs because they can't survive on a zero point seven five yield. So there's been a move up that risk curve um, for, for sure, and I think people. At this later stage in the cycle, both for bonds and fixed income—sorry, uh, bonds and equities—do need to be aware that the last ten years of bull market in both asset classes probably won't continue forever.
0: Yeah, but it's always about having a long-term view, isn't it?
2: A long-term view, diversification, and um, not taking too much yield if you need to
1: have that yield for a long period of time.
0: Exactly, okay. Dean. Do you want to add anything?
1: The one area we've probably not touched on um, in as much detail was. The use of alternatives hmm. and how, as a client seeking income, you can diversify your portfolio, lower the risks by tapping into renewables, infrastructure, property or real estate. Um, these return sources typically are lowly correlated with equities and fixed interest, and just offer that greater diversification. Now you're giving up liquidity in many hmm. cases. Um, But for that illiquidity premium, you're usually compensated for um, an above-average yield. Mm -hmm. So there are good sources of income to be derived from alternatives, but it needs to be balanced and risk-weighted appropriately within the portfolio.
0: And how does education play a part in this? Because for example, um, after the Brexit vote, when the property funds started gating, people got a bit scared about less liquid assets. Um, some infrastructure products uh, projects have kind of stalled, so sometimes people are a bit worried about that. What sort of education should fund managers and advisors be giving to investors to help assure them um, that this can be a really important part of a portfolio?
1: I, I think the risks you've highlighted there um, are absolutely key. So the fact that property funds were gated possibly suggests that the asset class had received too much money, that yield that was so attractive before um, wasn't properly sized within people's portfolios. I think people were in property funds expecting daily liquidity. This is bricks and mortar, you, mm. you can't just liquidate mm. bricks and mortar. So we use closed-ended vehicles typically. So the underlying asset pool remains robust. The fund manager is under no stress um, to raise capital in order to meet redemptions in that scenario. But the price relative to discount um, premium will, will vary accordingly. Um, and if people need to um, exit, then the price will move to a discount. Mm. Um, for investors like us, that's a buying opportunity. Mm. We've got, we know what the asset's worth. And if we can pick it up at a distressed level with an attractive yield and the long term investment case for that particular fund is um, still intact, then that's great.
0: So you can mitigate the risks while still getting that exposure? Exactly, Mm -hmm. Darius, what's your view on the use of alternatives?
2: I think that everything Dean said is really spot on. Um, You know, if you're buying a closed-ended vehicle, you you do need to be aware that they can move from premium to discounts. I I would suggest within that alternative space, you sort of, you might have a bucket, but you, you need to think of sort of the renewables, solar, wind, sort of one asset class, Specialist property, whether it be health care homes or, or student accommodation, potentially as another asset class, and then your broad infrastructure, whether they be debt or equity as another, and we certainly do that as well, and we have a bucket of them, typically fifteen twenty percent of our portfolio, but we also know that if there were stress that that they would go to to discounts uh, and you know it would probably be some of the the, the l- last things we sold. Mm. Or if you aren't under redemption pressure, actually, as, as Dean said, you, you take you use that as an opportunity to buy some of these quality assets actually at distressed prices and, and, and make a, a better return for your investors with a decent yield.
0: Mm. And the investor doesn't have to do any of this themselves because the multi-asset uh, fund managers are doing it for them?
2: Well, uh, there are several ways of, of, of skinning the cat. Um, <laughs> but if you buy a multi-asset fund, you've got somebody delivering that expertise, mm. uh, that research, the blending, uh, the understanding of the correlations and depending again on the fund, some asset allocation um, potentially over the top as well. So it is a a potential one-stop shop for for income seekers, for sure. Mm
0: -hmm. Dean?
1: The drive for income, the need for income, the longevity in these commingled vehicles, these uh, multi-asset income solutions um, is very appealing to investors and advisors alike. There are multiple return drivers. There are different yields available. Um, You need to lift the lid and just look under the bonnet properly to ascertain are there asset allocation positions going on? How are they chasing the yield? Um, is it um, a natural income that's being generated or are they forcing it? Are the risks appropriately sized? But if you gather confidence in your underlying manager that they are aware that um, spreads on high yield, for example, are very tight. Um, that there is a risk that those spreads could widen as we started to see an investment grade already this year. You you assess your manager as you would with any um, investment vehicle appropriately.
0: That's a very excellent summary, Dean. Thank you very much. It seems there's a lot more to generating income through multi-asset portfolios than pure simple diversification. Thank you very much to Dean and to Darius for their comments and their insight. You can read more multi-asset news at ftadvisor.com. And if you have any questions for our experts on multi-asset, do let us know by tweeting at FTadvisor or emailing simony.kuriakou at ft.com. For now, goodbye.